We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Friend, God is a person of deeply hidden and personal significance. God is a person, humble, small, yet huge in significance, deeply hidden from our view, yet very much alive to the eye that seeks to find Him. The Holy Spirit helps us to find the humble God in our lives, who is our home. Today's broadcast with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is the first portion of a message he calls, Where is the One? Where is the One? And thank you for listening today. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock, and you are always welcome. The broadcast is also streamed live at reachinghearts.org slash video. We'll have details on that and more as we continue with today's broadcast. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentango. Let's pray. Father God, as we open our Bibles today and look at the question of who is Asenath, the wife of Joseph, perhaps the most important, deep, and meaningful insight in the narrative of Joseph's life that is missed by many and yet there for us to dig and find. May we realize that the one is important to God. The person on the outside must be brought in. The lost soul must be found. The sheep on the hillside must be brought to the fold. That Christ has always been and will always be the good shepherd. Help us, Lord, to be his good sheep. In Jesus' name, amen. Albert Einstein once wrote, Pure mathematics in its way is the poetry of logical ideas. I like that. The poetry of logical ideas. The Greek philosopher Proclus of Athens has posited, Where there is a number, there is beauty. But I like best what an unknown person has said about math as it relates to life. Sometimes these unknown people say things that are profound, deep. They're hidden truths, and they come out of the culture, and we must quote them. An unknown author said this, Life is a math equation. In order to gain the most, you have to know how to convert negatives into positives. That's the one I like the best. Friend, in the Bible, there's a godly math that makes a difference in our lives. There is a godly math that adds up with God. There is a godly math that connects the dots so we can be saved. The Bible starts with a bold creation math in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning means we start with the first. We start with number one. God is one. The first letter, bait, in the Hebrew Bible translated in, the letter bait translated in, in the phrase, in the beginning, God, This letter bait was written in the Proto-Sinai script as the house of the round. It was a circular house with a hole in it where you go around to the center and somehow in this idea you find home in the middle of the circle. 
Friends, in the beginning, God. God is our house. God is our home. God is always a circle who is home. And God brings us full circle back to Him by the providence of the Good Shepherd who finds the lost sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every man to his own way. And God finds us and brings us home. God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Moses said, You, O Lord, have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains are brought forth, or ever you have formed the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God is our home because God is one and God cares about every one of us. Moses said in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Echad is the Hebrew word one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, Yahweh God, is one. Friend, God is a person of deeply hidden and personal significance. God is a person, humble, small, yet huge in significance, deeply hidden from our view, yet very much alive to the eye that seeks to find Him. The Holy Spirit helps us to find the humble God in our lives who is our home. Because God is one friend, each one of you matters to God. God is in the healing of persons business. God cares about the individual soul. He is not in the collective business more so than he is in the personal business. I mean, the demons, you know what the demons said? Demons told Jesus, we are legion. And Jesus turned to the man and spoke to him as a person. Christ never recognizes the collective when He cares about the heart. We are a collection of persons. And so the meaning of persons we find in God who is one. Our God is one. God sent Jesus to leave the 99 sheep in His Father's house to save the little one, the little lost lamb who was abandoned and alone in the cold and harm on the outside of His Father's house because the one matters to God. When you do the math for Jacob's whole house of offspring in Genesis 46, and I've been doing Bible math these last few weeks, it is apparent that the number 70 and the number 1, 70 and 1, converge in a mystery that must be solved to understand the deepest lesson, the deepest part of the Joseph narrative, the deepest part of the story that shows us that the grace of God The love of God, the mercy of God is looking for the one lost soul in Jacob's family that must be brought home to God. In Genesis 46-26, the Bible reveals that there were 66 persons in Canaan who left Jacob's house in the north. When Joseph said, come dad, bring everybody down, there were 66 persons who were seed of Jacob that came south to meet Joseph. Look at verse 26, Genesis 46. The Bible says all the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt, that's to the land of Goshen, who came from his body besides Jacob's sons' wives. Look at the verse. How many were there? Sixty-six persons in all. So get your Bible pen out. If you have a Bible pen, get you a piece of paper and let's start writing those numbers down. How many people came south with Jacob? If I quiz you in five minutes, what are you going to say? What? Sixty-six persons. Now that's not the mark of the beast. That's 66. That's not 666. I'm trying to help you remember the number. 66 persons in all. 66 of his offspring went south to meet Joseph. In Genesis 46, 27, now here's another verse. Write this number down. There are 70 souls who went to Egypt in all. Let's read the verse. 
All the sons of Joseph, which were born him in Egypt, were two souls. All the souls of the house of Jacob, which came into Egypt, were three score and ten. I'm reading from the King James Version. Why? Because I like the King James Version here. It calls these people souls. I mean, we're more than people. We're God's souls. He cares about souls. He's in the soul-winning business. Sixty-six souls. Now here it says there were three score and ten. The King James Version, three score and ten, is the Old English for seventy. So we had 66 that came south, right? Correct? Because I'm quizzing you. How many souls in all from his house? 70. So 66 and 70 stand together in contrast. That leaves four souls. 70 minus 66 leaves what? Come on, you got your calculators out. Do the math with me. Four. It's not calculus. All right, that leaves four souls already in Egypt to complete the number 70. So wait a second, Pastor. Yep, that's right. It leaves four that we have to account for. Joseph plus Manasseh, his first son, plus Ephraim, his second son, who gets the birthright, equals how many? One plus one plus one equals... Okay, this is not algebra. It's three. So 66 plus three equals what? 69. Wait a second. That is one shy of 70. Am I right? 69 is one shy of 70. Verse 27 says clearly that all the sons of Jacob's house who went down to Egypt were 70 souls. When they leave, when the 66 go south, when they arrive, there are 70 children of Jacob in Egypt. There are four to be accounted for. We can figure out three. Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh. So where is the one soul that is number 70, who was there in Egypt besides Joseph, Ephraim, Manasseh, to complete the number of four that must be in Egypt already besides the 66? Now, you see, our sermon today is a math class. We are going to be doing Bible math. We're going to be figuring out a problem, and you're going to need your pencils and pens and heads, and I'm going to quiz you along the way, okay? Your face is dropped. How many of you hated math in school? You hate math? Well, you know what? I hated math, but I'm learning to love math because I like Bible math. So where is the one who is 70? See, we have a problem here. You have 66 from 70. You have four. You can only count for three. Where is the one who is 70, the missing one that matters? And friends, small numbers matter to God because God is one. And one who is lost is the very one that the God who is one must find. God's eye sees the one. Where is the one who is missing in the Joseph narrative? I mean, scholars have read all over this. They have tried to explain it away. But, you know, friends, you have a problem. There is one missing here in the tally of the family of Israel. Some commentators insist that Jacob is the one who completes the number 70 in Genesis 46-27. That's an easy way out. Well, you just put Jacob in there and you have 70. But that is not possible if you take the Bible seriously. Look at Exodus 1 verse 5. All the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were how many? What does the text say? Seventy souls for Joseph was already in Egypt. So this number 70 has to be people who came from Jacob. It cannot be Jacob. Now we got the problem. You can't plug Jacob in and supply the one for the 70. Jacob cannot be number 70 because Jacob could not come out of his own loins. The English Standard Version reads this way, Exodus 1.5, All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. 
Now, I don't believe the Bible is contradicting itself. We've got to take all of the evidence, put it together, and let it be synthetic. So we cannot escape the fact that all 70 persons who went down to Egypt were descendants and seed of Jacob. Seventy souls must be accounted for besides Jacob. Where is the one who is 70? Does the one not named who is 70 matter to God who is one? I ask you this question. Does the one not named who is 70 matter to God? How would you answer? Absolutely. To find this lost one in the list of the 70, we must first look at all the evidence in the Joseph narrative that has a bearing on the subject of one. I have been poring over this story night and day. I spent two sleepless nights this week writing an essay, trying to crunch the numbers, checking my math, rechecking it. I felt like I was in school again. But I tell you, I am so excited because the Bible provides the answer as to who is the one. Today, like Sherlock Holmes, we're going to put our investigator hats on. We're going to get our magnifying glass out. We're going to leave the pipe out. You know, Sherlock Holmes had a pipe. We, the Seventh-day Adventists, don't smoke. We'll throw the pipe away. But other than that, we are going to sleuth it out today. We're going to sleuth it out together in the Bible by connecting the dots and uniting the evidence to discern the one who is missing in the number 70. In the Bible, little girls matter to God. Any little girls around here? If you're a little girl, raise your hand. Good. Any little girls who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s? Okay. All righty. Every little girl has a daddy, and every daddy ought to love a little girl. My father-in-law loves Diana, and it's a hard act to follow. I tell you, as a husband, you got to love your wife as much or up to par with how daddy did it or your mud. And boy, I have a hard act to follow in Diana's dad. She loves his little girl. And she's right now in Tennessee with Daddy, listening to the broadcast online. Hi, honey. Hi, Dad. Put in a word for you. Brownie points in the future, hopefully. Now, in the Bible, little girls matter to God. The ancients didn't think much of little girls, but God does. Our modern secular culture doesn't care much for little girls either. The Romans, in their culture, if a little girl was born and finances were tough, it was an easy solution. You take that little baby girl, you go to the trash heap, and you expose her and leave her to die. The early Christians would visit those trash heaps. They would find those little girls. Edward Gibbon, his fall in decline of the Roman Empire, speaks of this. That was their way of aborting children. They would just put them out and expose them and let them die. Friends, God cares about little girls. Whether they're a newborn or unborn. And God is calling on the remnant church to protect the unborn. Did you hear me? Because God's people will keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus, including the sixth commandment. And there's no place in our hospital systems or any of our clinics to destroy the lives of the unborn. God's word will not be compromised by ethicist, philosopher, king, theologians, or anyone the like. Our children, the one, the children of God are precious to our God. And I'll tell you right now, I would say that to a million people as much as I would say it to three or two or one. We must be in the saving business in the Seventh-day Adventist church. The little girls matter to God before they are born and after they are born because God cares about the one. When you look at Jacob's offspring that comprises the 70 in all, there are only two girls mentioned among the 70. The first is Dina, the daughter of Jacob by Leah. Some say Dinah, Dina. I go with the E sound for reasons personal in the Hebrew, but it doesn't matter. Dina, Dinah, the daughter of Jacob by Leah. 
She is mentioned directly by name right here in Genesis 46.25. The second daughter is Jacob's granddaughter, Sarah. And she is the daughter of Asher. She is mentioned by name in Genesis 46.17. Now think about it. Of the 70 souls of Jacob's house that were his children and grandchildren, only two are mentioned as girls. Can you imagine a family system like that? One is his daughter, one is his granddaughter. Seventy, you know, a big, huge clan. There's hardly any girls around. Or all boys running around. That'd be a hard thing to manage. That's why his house was always in trouble. Boys get in trouble. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Well, Dina got in trouble too. So Jacob really had a problem going on. That limited quantity of two girls produces a problem that must be resolved for the plural number of daughters and granddaughters to stand consistent within the text. Because the Bible said Jacob had daughters and granddaughters. But you only got two, so what's going on? In Genesis 46.7 and Genesis 46.15, the Bible tells us in this number 70 that there were both daughters and granddaughters that must be accounted for in the plural. Look at Genesis 46 verse 7. His sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters. Now, if you look at the word sons there, in the Hebrew word, the word b'nai, sons, or ben, banim, it can mean children. It could go either way. You can translate his sons' daughters or his children's daughters. Both are valid. All his offspring he brought with him into Egypt. Now, look at verse 15. These are the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob and Padan Aram, together with his daughter Dina, there's number one, altogether his sons and his daughters, number 33. So there's more than one in the line of Leah. Dina is the only one mentioned. In the language of the Bible, the Hebrew word ben for a son, which we see in both of these verses, can mean a son. It can also mean a grandson. It can mean a child generic, a boy or girl. When we speak of a son, we can sometimes say a child. It's another way of saying a child in the Hebrew language. So sons are children, generically. In this sense, sons can be boys or girls. But the son of a son in the Hebrew language, most precisely when it occurs in relationship to daughters and granddaughters, must be a grandson. For girls, a daughter can be a daughter or a granddaughter. But a granddaughter, who is the daughter of a son, especially in the context of sons and grandsons, can only be a granddaughter. So let's plug it together. You'll notice that in both of these verses, Genesis 46.6 and Genesis 46.15, that Jacob had both sons and grandsons, daughters and granddaughters. So if I were to quiz you, what kind of family was this number 70 made of? Sons and grandsons, daughters and Granddaughters, notice that all are plural. Sons, plural. Sons, grandsons, plural. Daughters, plural. Granddaughters, plural. Can you carry that in the buffer? Carry that in the buffer. Right? 70, 66, four are missing. 
And then we have a list here made up of daughters and granddaughters, plural, sons and grandsons. Now, there's no problem accounting for the sons and grandsons part. As I said, there are 67 sons and grandsons in the full list in chapter 46. I counted them every one. But the plural usages for daughters and granddaughters referred to in both passages, Genesis 46.7 and Genesis 46.15, the plural uses for daughters and granddaughters referred to in both of these verses creates a problem for the granddaughter's part. We have something going wrong here. Since a daughter and a granddaughter can be daughters in the Hebrew way of thinking, Dina, Jacob's daughter, and Sarah, the granddaughter, Together, these two, the daughter and the granddaughter, satisfies the language prerequisite for daughters in the Hebrew language. Together, you have daughters plural. You with me? Okay. Why? Because one daughter, Dina, plus one granddaughter, Sarah, equals two daughters in the Hebrew way of thinking. That works. So we're okay with the count for daughters. So we've got plenty of sons. We've got plenty of grandsons. We've got plenty of daughters. So the two persons of Dina and Sarai accounts for the daughter's part. Even the one's a granddaughter, it still works. But in that list of two, there is only one granddaughter, Sarah. And she, Sarah, is not enough to account for the language of granddaughters in the plural. We have a problem with granddaughters in the list of the 70. Jacob had granddaughters who are called, in Genesis 46, 7, the daughters of his sons. Now, sons, as I said in Hebrew, anyone who reads Hebrew knows what I'm talking about. It can mean children generic. In other words, the daughters of his children. That's just another way of saying it. So there's a need to account for the granddaughters of his children, the granddaughters plural. How do you get more than Sarah? That's the only granddaughter mentioned. Now, how many of you are missing of the 70? 66 from 70 leads how many? Four. Joseph, Ephraim, Manasseh, or how many? Three. So how many persons are missing in the seven? One. And we now know, based on the looking at these words in the plural, we are missing a granddaughter. There is a granddaughter to be plugged in for this to be consistent. Sarah is the only granddaughter from Asher, and she is not enough to be more than one to justify the honest use of the plural in Genesis 46. So where is the one granddaughter that is required by the context to complete the number of 70? Let me say it again. Little girls matter to God. Where is the one granddaughter that makes at least two so Jacob can have granddaughters in the number 70? From this alone, we know that the missing one, the 70, is a granddaughter who is missing. There is a little girl lost in the line of Jacob, yet to be accounted for. That leads us to another question. By the way, didn't I say we put our Sherlock Holmes caps on? Throw the pipe away, get the thing out, and start looking at the evidence with me. It leads us to another question. I mean, what does that magazine say? Inquiry minds want to know. Don't read the inquire, but do inquire. Now, whose mother is she and who is her grandmother? The answer to this question, we must consider the line of Jacob's wife, Leah. That's where the focus goes. And the unique situation of her daughter, Dina. In Genesis 46.15, the Bible tells us that Leah had daughters. And that can mean, as you know, by now, both daughters and granddaughters, or just daughters. Look at verse 15 with me. Genesis 46.15. These are the sons of Leah. And it means children of Leah in that usage there whom she bore to Jacob in Paddan Aram, together with his daughter Dina, altogether his sons and his what? Daughters numbered how many? 33. 
Now there's a number. If I were to ask you, how many children did Leah have? You would write it down with that pen I told you to take out. How many children did she have? 33. Now keep that number in the buffer. The mention of daughters for Leah's line in verse 15 means that we must find at least two girls in Leah's line to justify the plural word for daughters here. Remember, daughters can be daughters or granddaughters in the Hebrew way of thinking. There must be more than one girl here to pull this off. And at least one of them must be a granddaughter needed to justify the requirement for granddaughters in Genesis 46 verse 7 when you plug it in. So we now know where to look. It's in the line of Leah. We know there must be more than one in Leah's line, and yet... Dina is the only one mentioned. To connect the dots, as I said, we need a daughter and a granddaughter for the daughters referred to in verse 15 and 7. There's another problem. When you read Genesis 46, 15, the text says clearly that Leah had 32 children made of sons and daughters. That can mean sons and grandsons, daughters and granddaughters in the Hebrew way of thinking. But the number 33 is the total. That's what you need to write down in your notepad. But when you do the math and you count the names... How many of you like the genealogies in the Bible? You like the genealogies in the Bible? Say, yuck, I don't like the genealogies. I go to the genealogies, I just skip over them and read something else. I count every name of the genealogies. I look at their meaning. The genealogies matter. When you do the math and count the names, there are only 32 sons, grandsons, and one daughter who is Dina in the line of Leah. That's it. The granddaughter necessary in Genesis 46.7 and Genesis 46.15 to validate the plural for both daughters and granddaughters is missing by name. Thanks for listening to the first portion of Where is the One? Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Make sure you join us again next week when we conclude this broadcast. And thank you so much for listening here today. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org. Slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart.